0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also want to remind you that I do a companion podcast to this that specifically covers films of the 1980s. It is called Around the World in 80s Movies. Search for it wherever you're listening to this right now, and you'll probably find it. If you don't, send me a note. You can find my contact information at my website that I mentioned earlier. I know it's been a while since I've come out with a new episode, but I'm trying to get back on track, it's hard to do with the holidays looming. But I was able to catch Aquaman in the theaters, and I have the review for you today. It's a PG-13 rated film. It does have sequences of sci-fi violence and action, and it does have some language. The runtime is 2 hours and 23 minutes. The main star of Aquaman is Jason Momoa. We have supporting roles going to Amber Heard, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, Nicole Kidman, Dolph Lundgren, and a few others. James Wan is the director, and the screenplay credited to David Leslie Johnson, McGoldrick, and Will Beale. Aquaman here following in the path of Wonder Woman by going back to give an already established character in the DCEU an origin film of his own. It's not really as enjoyable as Wonder Woman, at least not to me. It puts more emphasis on spectacle and design instead of its characterizations, but I do think that fans of the universe thus far are likely not going to mind that much, given that it is at least on par, if not a tick better than Aquaman's debut in Justice League after we saw a tiny glimpse of him in Batman v Superman. The setting here of Aquaman, at least it starts off sometime in the 1980s where we find the Atlantean queen named Atlanta, played here by Nicole Kim, and she comes up to the surface in the state of Maine to get away from an arranged marriage. She seeks a bit of sanctuary and some time to heal in a lighthouse that's run by a human named Tom Curry, played by Temuera Morrison. The two unlikely partners end up falling in love, and that eventually leads to a son named Arthur Curry. The Kingdom of Atlantis is not pleased with Atlanta's apparent defection to the land. They send out their soldiers to claim her back, and that ends up culminating in Tom being left alone to raise the boy, Arthur, himself, as a human, except one with the powers of Atlanteans in his DNA. That includes an ability to talk to and command all forms of marine life and to see underwater and... A lot of nifty stuff. We fast forward then to Arthur's adulthood, where we find Jason Momoa. He's known to the land dwellers as the Aquaman after a series of public acts of heroism that get him on the news, including one where he's taking down pirates, where he meets future nemesis Black Manta. He's not Black Manta at the time, but becomes that through the course of this film. However, Arthur has to become a savior to his adopted people when the current ruler of Atlantis, Arthur's half-brother named King Orm is looking to mount a war with the landwalkers to continue to pollute the oceans. And he seeks the assistance of King Nereus, played by Dolph Lundgren, one of the leaders of the Seven Seas that he needs to approve this war. Nereus' daughter, Mera, played by Amber Heard, looks to recruit Arthur's assistance in staving off the uprising from his brother's charge. Arthur then has to go undersea to make his presence felt, but the opposite of a fish out of water in his new environs in the Atlantean realm after spending all of his years as a human, especially when the situation boils down to a a mano-a-mano battle between Arthur and Orm on his home turf, or non-turf, I guess as it happens to be, for a battle to, I guess, continue to let people of the land pollute the oceans? It's kind of a weird way to conclude that there may be a victory on the part of Arthur, Very convoluted plot there, although I do think that most people watching this film are not going to watch it for the plot. Long since being one of the corniest of the popular core members of the DC superheroes lineup, the makers of Aquaman do achieve a certain coolness factor in the character here, primarily in the casting of the likable beefcake action star Jason Momoa in the role, Momoa here is much different in appearance than the blonde and bland version that you would find most famously in the pages of DC Comics, but that character was known for being very uncool, very famously so, so the switch to the hardcore anti-hero, I guess that's what's needed here. However, Arthur here has barely a sense of history to him or much personality beyond whatever's required in the moment, and that leads to a pocket universe of characters that don't exactly feel very lived in for very long. The script here from David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, yes, that's all one name, and Will Beale, it's one of the bigger liabilities of Aquaman, as the film is far less interesting when it deals with the main plot than it is just the character interactions that are brought to life by a fairly capable cast. There are moments of humor in the film, a few that come off actually as naturally funny, even though it's not quite as fun or as witty as perhaps the most equivalent Marvel film to Aquaman. I'm thinking about Thor, although there are elements of Black Panther in here as well. Momoa and Hurt are an attractive on-screen presence, but they are not exactly versatile enough as actors to handle the many moods of the story in a way that makes you not keenly observant of the shifts in tone whenever they occur. James Wan, the director here, he's casting his favorite actor, I guess, mainstay Patrick Wilson. Wilson here makes for a lackluster heavy. He's about as bland as he tends to be in most films, even those directed by Wan. And that makes him not a very good foil for the very robust presence of Momoa to try to contend with. And meanwhile, there is this entirely superfluous subplot involving the pirate named Black Manta, who wants revenge on Aquaman for letting his father die during this Russian submarine heist and that beats up the scream time. But it really doesn't offer much to the main story or its momentum, unfortunately, gets in the way. Wan's direction here is energetic. But it does lack a suspenseful build-up to its reveals, it utilizes camera movements to create scope, but it really doesn't marry image to editing to music in a way that gets you wholly into its grip as a story. And that leads to a film that feels flashy, but ultimately is forgettable. It is vibrant, maybe it's overly vibrant, coated with CG elements in its bioluminescence that already feels very obvious and dated. Even though a great deal of detail went into the character and set and vehicle design, you can kind of get lost into the design of the film. In fact, that may be the one thing that holds your interest throughout. The physics underwater, nevertheless, are pretty weird mostly because they seem to resemble the same physics that you would find while on land, despite being in the deepest parts of the ocean. You tend to forget sometimes that you're underwater watching the Atlanteans go about their business. Mm -hmm. Now, lots of ideas here introduced that James Wan didn't really have the time or desire to explore, so we have to just take at face value all of this colorful attire, the fancy weapons, the strange underwater structures, without pondering what they're truly made of or why they exist in such a fashion. It's really left up to your imagination imagination, I suppose. So in the end, I guess that actually sums up the movie. It's a lot of aesthetically interesting ideas in search of meaning. It's constantly moving in a weightless fashion, but it's not really making much headway into something of substance that's worth pondering beyond its runtime. So it's a slight tick up from the depths of where the DCEU had been in the past, but it does resemble a few too many of the Marvel movies to feel like it swims in a school of its own. So ultimately, It's a close call, but I can't quite recommend Aquaman. It is a two and a half star film out of four. Two and a half stars on my scale means that I do think that it had the tools, it had the talent to be something that I actually could recommend. But it does fall short by being a bit derivative in its approach to filmmaking. It's very similar to a lot of plots in a lot of other superhero films that you've seen of late. It does have Momoa, so that makes it different, and it is an underwater superhero. Marvel has its own version in Namor the Submariner, but they haven't really made a film with him yet. So those are the only unique things I think about Aquaman that set it apart. Other than that, it's pretty standard fare, and I can't quite give it my recommendation. Two and a half stars out of four for Aquaman. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on Aquaman, you can... Find my contact information at my website, that's at quipster.net. Just remember that Quipster is spelled with a W instead of a U and you'll find me. And until next time, please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.